Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Callie Kingsley, a 2011 graduate from the U.S. Air Force Academy. In this episode, you'll hear how a challenging first year at the academy really pushed Callie to question her desire to stay in the military and how her experiences with women, both in leadership roles and as classmates, sent her on a personal mission to create something better for the women she serves with. This is a powerful episode that demonstrates the importance of fostering bonds with our Service Academy sisters. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Callie. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Can you uh, start by telling everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? I'm from Florida, uh, Hernando County, a little bit north of Tampa. I went to the Air Force Academy and I graduated in 2011 Olds. Can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are today? So I am an, in, I'm an intel officer transitioning into the reserves and I recently had a baby. So she's six months. So I guess mother is another thing that I do. And I'm also kind of a blogger. I've been doing that for a while. I'm just That's where I'm at right now. I'm in the Air Force, kind of doing the pendant thing also, trying other options as well. Well, a lot of transitions and changes there. New baby and transitioning out of uh, active duty. So I'm excited to hear more about actually what you're doing now. Um, But to start, uh, let's go back to the beginning uh, when you were deciding where to go to college. What made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose the United States Air Force Academy? Yeah, so some people I know they have these things where they like really wanted to serve and uh, that is not my story. I, my whole life was going to go to Florida State University. I did everything to do that. I got my associate's degree in high school. So I was going to roll in as a 17 year old, graduate in two years and go on to medical school. And then somewhere between my sophomore and junior year, one of our family friends, uh, who who's actually our, our sheriff, he had two sons that went to West Point, another son that was um, ROTC. And he was kind of like, hey, have you looked at the service academies? And I had no idea what those were at all. No clue. Uh, had never heard of West Point or Annapolis and definitely not the Air Force Academy, which I think of the three, like nobody ever knows about USAFA. And so I went to the summer seminars, which are a program you can go to before you kind of apply. And I went to one at West Point and I went to one at the Air Force Academy and I, I visited the Naval Academy. I didn't go to their summer seminar. And I was just kind of, uh, I was intrigued by it. And then when I found out more, basically, you know, they compare the education and the acceptance level of the service academies kind of to an Ivy League college. And while I had full rides to any state school in Florida, I wasn't going to have, you know, funds to go to an Ivy League. So I kind of was like, this might be the next best thing. Like this is hard and competitive and, you know, people that go to these schools are going to go places in their careers. And so that's where I went for sort of service academy wise. And then I actually got accepted and appointed to all three. And I really just decided I didn't want to be in the army because it's just a little bit too like hoorah for me, if you will. 
<laughs> and sorry to all my USMA girls out there. And then for the Naval Academy, I don't like open water. So the idea of being stuck on a boat at some point in the middle of the ocean was just not something that I wanted in my future. So that left for me, the Air Force Academy. And I know there's the uh, Merchant Marine and the Coast Guard Academies, but I really just didn't, um, I didn't look at those actually. It's funny. I laughed and you were like, Usafa is like a little unknown. I'm like, well, listen, USMMA. I mean, people don't have any idea what's true. Merchant Marine Academy. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I don't mean to, I guess when I, I think of like those as the major three and so. You're right. Yeah. What you're yeah. saying makes total sense. The Coast Guard Academy and, and Merchant Marine Academy are definitely a little bit more unknown for sure. So yeah, totally makes sense. I'm curious though, because you did have this plan, this yeah. plan of what you thought you wanted and that majorly shifted because you got intrigued. So I want to hear a little bit more about that. Like was the intrigue that it was like hard to get in? Was that what yeah. the intrigue was? Yeah, that was definitely a huge part of it was I was like, not everyone can do this, yeah. but I can do this. Yeah, yeah. And so this idea of military service and the military lifestyle, um, was there military in your family? Not really. Both of my grandpas were, my actually one grandpa was in the Navy. My other grandpa was in the Marines. Um, both during World War II, uh, but for short times, you know, four to six years. And then my father was in the Coast Guard just for four years. So none of that was really um, influential or it really a part of my like growing up, if anything. So no. Gotcha. Yeah. And you said your, your long-term goal in the beginning before you discovered the academies was to go to med school, right? So yeah, my what? goal my entire life was basically to go. Like, that was the only, if you had asked me at any point in my life what I was going to be when I grew up, like, it was always in the medical field. Wow. So, okay. So, what happened to that piece? I am still actually trying to work through that and figure that out, um, which kind of is where I'm at right now in my current life, is I'm remedying those some of those decisions that I made over a decade ago. But, yeah, I kind of... I. I I think when I went to, when I started at the Academy, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to med school. Like, I'm still going to try and do that from, from the Air Force Academy because then they pay for you to go to med school. Like what could be better? Yeah. Uh, and then I got there and I was lazy. I think, I think I just kind of almost talked myself out of it. Like I just, I mm. didn't, I didn't put the effort into it that I was capable of. I was just kind of, I continued, like when I was in high school, so I graduated as valedictorian and I did a ton of stuff in high school. And I, you know, I had my associates with a 4.0, but I would consider myself pretty lazy. Like I, I know to, it doesn't sound lazy to people, but I kind of think I just, I was able to do a lot. And then I, when I went to the academy, I was like, I needed to put in effort if I wanted to get above a 3.0. And I kind of just skated by with the 3.0. I was just kind of like, I put in, mm -hmm. you know, enough effort to get a 3.0, uh, but not really, I, I never, I didn't really push myself. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, so, okay. So when yeah. you were applying, the plan still was to go to med school. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So it, well, I mean, it sounds like you were a phenomenal student in high school, at least like from the standpoint, you had the grades. Um, I mean, clearly you got into all these summer seminars, so you were, you had everything you needed. Um, how did your, how did your family and friends and how did everybody take this news that this is what you wanted to do? So my dad loved it. 
Although it's so funny because when, when I, he was thinking of it from the perspective of like, my little girl is going to this school where she's going to be like super safe and protected. I don't think he was thinking about this a lot. The part that I was going to school with 80% boys. <laughs> um, yeah, my yeah. mom was like, oh no, my baby girl is going to be in the military. And that really freaked her out. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was and am super feminine. I wore heels and skirts every day of high school. Like I super into fashion. My, I had like a journal where I would write down my, my outfits um, so that I wouldn't repeat things. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I would go thrifting to try and change up my outfits. And yeah. um, so when I got into the academy and that's where I was going, people, I had, I had two very strange reactions. And the first one would be, you know, you have to wear a uniform there, right? Like, you know, you can't wear skirts and heels there, right? Like, like I don't realize that joining the military means I can't just wear whatever I want, which was just so strange to me. Um, actually, even in my, in my graduation, the teacher that I asked to, that she gave my like introduction speech to me as a valedictorian, one of the things she said in it was that I was trading in my high heels for combat boots. So wow. even like that was, that was kind of how people like viewed it. And then the other thing is, is, as I mentioned, people did not know what the Air Force Academy was. And so a lot of people were like, you're so smart. Why are you enlisting? Oh, interesting. Not that there's anything wrong with enlisting, you know, lots of intelligent people enlist, but I'm like, that is, it's not what I'm doing. Like I, nobody really in a lot of people really around me just didn't understand what the Academy was and like that it was an accomplishment. Mm. Was, were there a lot of people from your school that went to academies or was that pretty rare? So I was the first person from my high school to go to the Air Force Academy. To be fair, my high school is only opened for four years, the four years that I was there. Um, I was, I was the first person from my high school to go to the, to any service academy. And then, um, in my whole like County, I only knew of like three other people that went to service academies. Wow. Crazy. Oh, I mean, there might be more, but if they, I don't know them. I, I have, I don't know who they are. I didn't hear about it. Like that wasn't, like I said, I didn't even know what the service academies were until I was a sophomore in high school. Interesting. Crazy. All right. (laughs) You're a pioneer. So, okay. Now let's dive a little bit into your time at the academy. It sounds like you getting into the academy. Um, it sounds like that went pretty smoothly. It sounds like you were pretty set on that. Like you, once you decided uh, that you wanted to go, you, you know, you made yeah. it happen, you got in. Doesn't sound like there were too many bumps in the roads with that process. Um, so now let's dive into your time at the Academy. So if you had to sum up your time at the Academy in one word, what would it be? Fun. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know that's not a word that people used to describe service academies. And I, and I thought about that question, um, before we met, I kind of listened to some of your other podcasts and I know you asked that question. So I really did try and think about what word comes to mind. And every time, if I think of the first word, it's, it's fun. But when I'm saying that I'm talking about my last three years, I'm not talking about my first year. Ah, well, that's a perfect lead in to talk about your first year. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're going to get to your highlights. Um, so let's, let's start at the beginning then. So let's talk about that first day that you mm-hmm. show up. Now you had been to the Academy uh, mm-hmm. for seminar. So 
I'm, I'm also curious because you're coming from Florida, right? Yeah. And going to the mountains, which I do understand that is a big difference. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so tell me, tell me about that first day, that first summer. So that first day, so I had gone out for about a week before in processing uh, to kind of acclimate actually, because of exactly what you're talking about, uh, the Florida Smart. to Colorado yeah. thing. So my mom came out for the first couple days and then she actually left and went home and my dad came out for the day before in processing because she was just like not having it. Um, she just couldn't deal with dropping off her baby girl. So my dad did that. And it's so funny because he drove me, he and I still talk about this. He drove me to Doolittle Hall and uh, I got out with my backpack and he's like sitting in the car and he waved to me and I waved to him and I just walked in the tent area and I, I found this girl, um, Jade, actually. I, she and I are still, we still talk to each other and she was there with her parents because people's parents stayed with them until like the very end. Uh, and I was just like, can I, can I hang out? Can I stand with you? And they were like, okay. And so I kind of went through in processing with her. I don't remember much about in processing. Um, I just remember like finding a person so I wouldn't be alone. And I, I went through it kind of with her. And then, you know, you stand on the steps, those that like super, I don't know, popular picture that you always see of Yusafa cadets in processing, standing on the steps, the painted footprints and getting yelled at. But it was fine. I, I mean, you just, you, that first day is just a blur. You just get through it. Um, and I had gone in with my hair in a bun. I knew to do that. So nobody tried coming at my hair. Thank goodness. Because they butcher girl's hair. Um, so I That's had it. Interesting. In my, they don't cut your hair there. Not if you have it like perfectly in rags already. Like they did, they like saw my, my bun and I like glued that to my head. And, uh, so like I got by, that was a tip that someone had given me before I went to the Academy. They were like, do a bun, have it glued. Like don't, you know, and they won't, they won't try and cut your hair. They didn't. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I wish I had that option when I went to Gates Point. Oh, okay. But anyway, keep going. So how did the summer go then for you? So I, I think basic was relatively fine. Um, what was strange for me is that I actually gained weight because I was so active in high school. I did so much swimming and other activities in high school that basic training was less physical activity for me per day. And we were eating more than I was eating normally. And so I gained weight in basic, which just I was not comfortable with that. I mean, not a ton, but mm, I think like eight pounds, seven or eight pounds I gained during basic, which mm -hmm. is like the opposite for most people. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just, at my, one of my, I had two roommates. One of my roommates was prior enlisted. So that was pretty helpful. Uh, she was able to kind of guide us through a lot of stuff. And I think otherwise, I would say I was probably middle, middle of the pack. You know, I wasn't standout. I'm not a runner. I would say I was probably pretty average and basic. I didn't get yelled a whole lot. I didn't, you know, piss people off a lot. I was good at knowledge. Um, I was average at physical stuff. So, you know, basic wasn't that bad for me. And I always just kind of told myself, you know, it's just a game, mm. you know, cause it is, it's, it's just, it's, it's a game. It's a mental kind of game. And, you know, these people screaming at you are students too. And in, you know, two years, you're going to be where they are. So mm -hmm. I just kind of always approached it as that. And it, it really didn't get to me the way it can get to some people. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You mentioned that you were swimming a lot in high school. Were you mm-hmm. an athlete in high school, like a swimmer? Yes, I was. I swam competitively from when I was six to when I was 17. Wow. Okay. So was that part of your plan at the academy to swim? No, it was not. And I didn't swim. Um, I, my freshman year, I walked onto the fencing team. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, that was a, that was an experience. Um, and I ended up having to quit that because it was so hard on my knees and I just, I developed, um, chondromalacia patella and chronic patellar tendinitis. And I was walking up to my room every day with bags of ice taped to my knees. So I had to quit that. Uh, and then my sophomore and junior year I did, I was on the water polo team. And then my senior year I was on the wing aerobics team as the wing yoga instructor. And I was on the triathlon team, um, because I was training for a half Ironman. Wow. Okay. So back up a little bit though. What, why, why did you decide not to swim anymore? And, and how was that for you? Cause that's, that's a big transition. I was, I felt like I was okay with it. I, I kind of burned myself out. I think my senior year of high school, I would wake up at 3am in high school, go to some practice, go to high school, go to college, go to swim practice again. And then after that, go to my high school swim practice. So there were some days that I was doing three days. Uh, wow. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm good with closing this part out. I was never going to be an Olympic swimmer. Um, I was always a good swimmer, but I, I was never going to be a great, like, you know, that, that was never something that was my goal either. So I was kind of like, all right, like I really loved swimming for my whole life, but I don't have to do it anymore. And honestly, the swimmers at the Air Force Academy, their schedule is just crazy. I mean, they are just, you know, waking up. And I just, I felt like I didn't need to add that onto my plate. Yeah. It is interesting though, like thinking back to what you said about your time during the summer, um, that just that adjustment of your body, you know, because swimming is not running. It's very different on your body. It's very different muscles. It's just different caloric burn. Everything about it is so different. So that uh, it really illuminates, you know, the transit, even more of a transition that you had to go through physically, you know? Yeah. So um, I can appreciate that, you know, it's definitely not easy. Um, okay. Well, so you made it through the summer relatively unscathed according to you right so um now you enter the academic year give us a little insight into what that transition was like diving into the academics so i don't think freshman year was too bad academically um you know it's a it's a little bit you're not really in your major yet which kind of sucks so i was in uh you know like more of the beginners not beginner but like you're early on math and science and other kind of I want boring core classes, you know, like the baseline classes. So I, I didn't, I did fine, you know, A's and B's in that. My, my big issue with my freshman year was, was much more on the military side than it was the academic side. Hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds like there's a story there. Um, but before we dive into some of the lowlights, let's talk about some of your highlights at the Academy just in general. So like, what were the high points for you and the most memorable moments for you? while you were there? There's not a whole lot of highlights in my freshman year. So I think most of my highlights are just later on. Um, Mm -hmm. I made a lot of good friends towards the end, not towards the end, in my last three years, I made a lot of good friends when I was at the academy, which is something that um, has kind of 
stayed with me ever since, you know, the people that I became really good friends with there, I'm still good friends with now. And so that will always be to me, the most valuable benefit of a service academy is the strong relationships that you can build in those kind of friendships. And those people, you know, got me through the academy that especially my sophomore year coming out of my freshman year, I have, you know, friends that really just like, are the reason that I stayed. And I got involved with cadet leadership. I was a group commander for basic training. And then I was a cadet squadron commander my senior year. And those were, I mean, for me, those were things that I, I really wanted and I, you know, applied for and did all that. And those were really high points for me um, in terms of proving, I guess, that I could lead people in a military environment and that, you know, kind of working on who I wanted to be as a leader before I go out and, you know, deal with actual military people, you know what I mean? Not mm. just other students. On that note, it does sound like there's a whole story that we need to hear. <laughs> about your freshman year because it sounds like something happened with your military side of things freshman year that would illuminate what you're referring to here with a lot of these things so I had a uh, so you, you have a an actual officer in charge of your cadet squadron we call them an AOC air officer commanding and I had a female one my freshman year and I, I don't have a lot of like examples anymore in my mind because I try not to hold on to negative things but I have said for the last 10 years, like she was, when I was a freshman, I said, if this is what female officers are in the Air Force, I don't want to be in the Air Force. I just felt like she was not, like she was not there to kind of support us. And she was not helping bring in these young, you know, naive kids into the military. Like she was not, she was not there for me or others, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I didn't feel like I could come to her with my concerns or my issues or all of that stuff. And I just didn't want to be a part of it. I remember coming back from Thanksgiving when I was a freshman and like sitting in the airport in Denver and just crying because I didn't want to go back and calling my mom. And my mom was terrified because I didn't cry. Like I'm not a crier. She probably hadn't heard me cry in years. And she wanted to fly out and like, come get me. And I was like, no, no, you know, it'll be fine. And, and, and the people that I was in, in my squadron, the girls that were in my, cause you, you know, there's not very many of you. And when you're a freshman, you can't really go out. So you're not really able to make outside relationships outside of your squadron. And so the girls in my, the freshman girls in my squadron were not, we were, we were not friends. Um, I had one, she got kicked out for an honor violation you know, so there was a lot of aggressive animosity and, and stuff going on with that. So I just, mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have good female friends my freshman year. I didn't. Did you feel uh, like your issue with this officer, was it isolated to you as a woman or were other women experiencing the same struggles with her? I don't think that it was isolated. But at the same time, I didn't really like talk to other people about it because there just weren't a lot of other people to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds you know, like it kind of like made you shut down a little bit and go internal. I think so. I definitely think so. And, and, and I, you know, in that freshman environment where like the upperclassmen are the upperclassmen, 
and you're a, you know, a dually, whatever, you, you don't really feel like you can go and talk to them either. You know, there weren't really, there were a couple girls that I can think of that I felt, you know, that were, I, that were nice, I guess would be the word I would describe of them. I thought they were nice, but eh, it's just, you know, I don't, you, you still don't always trust people in that environment, especially early on. I, I just didn't trust people, I think. Mm hmm. That's fair. I mean, it's a tough environment. You're, I mean, you're, you're new to this whole new world and you're already in survival mode, you know, um, it makes sense. Everything you're saying makes total sense. So, okay. So how did you get through that year? How did you get through that year? What made you decide to stay? And yeah, let's start there. So I have this like part of me that doesn't quit. Like I just, once I start something, I just feel like I have to complete it. Um, so to a large extent with my freshman year, that was it was, I was just like, just push through, like you did this, like, you're not going to just leave, you know, that's not who you are. But I had applications into other schools. Like I had reapplied back to state schools in college. I had gotten in Florida, I had gotten accepted. I mean, I was, I was ready. And when I rolled into my sophomore year, I went straight into, cause you go to a new squadron as a sophomore. I rolled straight into my AOC's new AOC's office, who was a male. Um, and I was like, I just want you to know, I'm probably going to be leaving. I already have school like applications in and like, that's just where I'm at right now. And I think he was like, just totally kind of shocked by that. And was like, Oh, well, you know, like if you feel like that's what you need to do, but you know, maybe, this is a new squadron, new year, maybe you should just give it a semester or so. And I was like, all right. And so I, you know, I gave it a semester and the rest is history. Mm. Okay. So tell me now about that experience. So obviously like your first year was a little rough. Like, you know, like you really didn't feel welcomed. You didn't feel like there was a good role model for you to look up to. You didn't feel connected with the people in your squadron um it sounds like academically you, you know you had said before that you kind of went from like skating through with the 4.0 to now like skating through with the 3.0 so i'm not sure you know you got those core classes so so like tell me how that second year and, and then the rest of your time at, at the academy played out given everything you just shared about that first year so i kind of looked back at my first year and you know there was a lot of stuff that was not in my control, but then I, I also was kind of trying to look and say, what could I have done differently about how I handled things or how I process things? And what I decided was if I'm going to complain about these things and have issues with all of this stuff, then I need to do what I can to change them or see what I could have done differently. And so at that point, you know, as a sophomore was when I kind of said, all right, I'm going to apply for the, all the pro, all the things that I can do, the leadership stuff. So I kind of, you know, I uh, tried to do it from that perspective, try to be more involved with leadership and with decisions and with, with people. I tried to be um, an element lead because I wanted to have freshman underneath me because I wanted to be a different kind of upperclassman than the kind of upperclassman I felt that I had as a freshman. So mm -hmm. I just, I wanted, I was going to, I was saying, you know, I feel all of these negative things about the, my freshman year. So what can I do differently so that someone doesn't come out of their freshman year and 
just like I did. Hmm. Interesting. And did you, did you feel like in this new squadron, you had new leadership that you could look up to? I did. Um, I did like my AOCs for the, the, I had two different male AOCs afterwards. Um, and I liked both of them a lot. I felt like I could talk to them a lot. Um, the people in my squadron, I had a really great group of guy friends. I mean, just the best guy friends. One of them I dated for three years. So about two and a half years that I was at the Academy and then a little bit afterwards, but that core group, they were my family. Like I, I mean, I still keep in contact with a few of them and I just felt like these are my people. I struggled also with female relationships though the last three years, like my, my roommate, my sophomore year, I had two girls that were my roommates my sophomore year and like they were, they were mean. Um, I remember one time, like they were going out to dinner with other people in our class. And I was like, Hey, like, why didn't you invite me? And she was like, this isn't a dress up kind of thing. And I was like, I can go out in public and not wear a dress, but I don't know why that matters. Um, there was stuff like that. And like, I had a ton of clothes, like, and those are tiny rooms, but I packed it in clothing wise. <laughs> and yeah. they, uh, when we came to room, pick a roommate for, I don't know if it was like second semester, sophomore year, those two girls basically like behind my back were like, yeah, we're not going to room with Callie again. And they told me I had too much stuff and that was their reason. And then, mm. and then that roommate, the next roommate that I had, um, like I would do different workouts and stuff. I would do like Bollywood dance workouts and yoga in my room. And she would like, she made fun of me. I don't, I don't think she, you know, she, she wasn't so crazy as to like secretly video me and make fun of me, but she definitely told people like, Oh, Callie's doing this ridiculous stuff. And she teased me and she was super, super judgmental of, um, how I dressed and how, you know, just me, like fundamentally who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. And so that was really hard. And so then eventually when I was a junior, I didn't want to room with any of the girls in my class. And I, they, I didn't have relationships with any of them. They were all kind of like, whatever against me, if you will. And, uh, and so I roomed with a senior and she was a cheerleader and she was so, you know, she was girly. Like I was like, ultra feminine, but she was just, a, uh, she was also a really, really nice human being. And, you know, we weren't good. We weren't like close. Like we weren't like best friends. We didn't hang out really outside of the squadron, but it was nice to just have like a female, like not treat me mm. like a pariah kind of. And, and there were, I had a few other girlfriends at the Academy, but I mean, I was mostly friends with guys, mm. which of course then made you even less likely to have girlfriends because then people, you know, don't like girls that are friends with guys to a certain extent. And then my senior year, I was a roommate with a junior and she was one of my bridesmaids. Um, wow. She's not ultra feminine like I am, but she, we have a very similar personalities where we just, you know, we say it how it is. We don't, we don't hide stuff. We don't, you know, sugarcoat things. And uh, she just kind of totally like people, when they put us together, people were like, this is either going to go, really, really badly, or it's going to work out. Uh, and it, you know, it worked out just great, but I, uh, like my 21st birthday, 
we, it was a Thursday, so we still had class the next day, but we went to uh, all American bar and I had like six or seven guys and one girl mm. come for my birthday. And so I came back and sat on my floor and cried like hysterically bold. Mm. And, uh, two, two girls that were in my, in my class that were in the room next to us, they came over and they're like, Callie, what's wrong? And I was like, girls hate me. You know, no, no girls are nice to me. Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, no, that's not true. Like we like you. And I was like, no, you don't. Like I just let them, I mean, to the point that apparent, I mean, I don't remember this part, but to the point that they basically almost started to cry because they felt so bad. Cause I was just like, laying it out there. And then, you know, a couple days later, they came up to me and they were like, you know, we're really sorry. You're right. We haven't been nice to you. And we don't know why, like, we don't have a reason for why we have basically treated you like mm-hmm. crap for, you know, the last two years. Like we don't have a reason for that. We just, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're different basically. And so we kind of just treated you like that. Yeah, I'm curious though, with time and space, Callie, like what you make of that. So that is actually not an uncommon situation for me, for girls to be aggressively judgmental of me at first. And then if they actually do get to know me, come back and be like, I thought you were such a snob, such a brat. And then I got to know you and I like realized you're just, you know, really great. Like I have, there's a lot of people in my life that have done that. And I think to a certain extent, like I, I have never tried to be anything other than I am to fit in with what people want. So I, I've always been very girly and I have, but I've never tried to stop being girly. Like Mm. I was putting Vaseline on my eyelashes in basic training because I was like, I feel good about this and make my, my eyelashes, you know, have a little glimmer on them. Like, that's just, that's who I am. And some people just, it, it comes off strong and they just don't really know how to to handle that um yeah well in that environment too I mean you you definitely I can tell have a have a strong personality and a strong sense of self and confidence and you like to be feminine and in that environment you know probably competitiveness probably some feeling a little threatened you know all that stuff they honestly like they apologize and they completely changed how they treated me after yeah. that. And that's, that's typically what happens if I, if I confront someone like that. But it, because it, it's about them. Because it's about them, not about you. That's right. why. Right? So, yeah. So, yeah. It's just, yeah. But, um, but, but I'm curious. Okay, so, so go back a little bit. Because your freshman year, you were doing fencing. Then you went into the water polo team, I think you said. Your sophomore and junior yes. year. Mm-hmm. Was, because I did, I kind of missed the water. So, gotcha. Okay. And was there a team there? Did you have a community of people that you connected with there, or no? So it was a club team. So um, the not an NCAA team, the way the fencing was. And I joined water polo because my best friend was. She also joined, and so she was on it. And so I joined kind of with her. Gotcha. And okay. I kind of had this not 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 the same extent, not the same issue. But it was not a sisterhood for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still a little bit more of that kind of a little cattiness, I guess would be the way to describe it. But it wasn't, it wasn't 
terrible. Like it wasn't unbearable. Like I thought they were all really nice girls. Um, you know, I still talk to some of them and some of them just kind of, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like a sisterhood. Like you kind of would want like this, the girls that I grew up swimming with my entire life that, you know, were in my wedding and best friends and, you know, all of that stuff. Like it just wasn't that kind of a friendship. Mm, Okay. Okay. And so, so tell me a little bit about academics. Like what was that like for you? When did you decide what you wanted to study? What did the plan become once you kind of let go of this medical school thing? How did that unfold for you? So I was a psychology major, which is what I was always going to be. I've always loved psychology. And so I did that. Um, then my sophomore year, I realized that the psych degree is not have the, the pre-med prereqs. Mm-hmm. So I needed to take classes in addition. It, it was really hard um, to take an ex- like extra classes on top of stuff. And then it was so strange because the, the chem bio majors, really the chem majors that, you know, the, these are the people that did what I should have done. They were like their own little club and I couldn't get any help from them. Like way other majors, like help each other out. That was not like, I did not, I felt like, I just felt like such an outsider trying to mm-hmm. take, I felt like a, like I was, you know, like a um, imposter. Mm-hmm. I just imposter didn't, I singer. felt, yeah, I felt like I was an imposter in this chem in these chem classes with these students that have been in this, you know, like they were like, this is our major, like we're going to be doctors. And a lot of them are. And I, I, I just, I was, I guess I was intimidated, which mm-hmm. is not something that I'm of a, a sensation that I'm familiar with really, but I, I was kind of intimidated. And I, I think I kind of, I, I chickened out, you know, I kind of talked myself out of it and I was like, it's okay. Like, I don't really need to be a doctor. Like I'm going to graduate and be an officer. And you know, there's, tons of opportunities for, for officers and all of this stuff and, you know, retirement and whatnot. So I kind of, after taking a couple of those classes, I would, I just was like, no, I don't really need to do this. It'll be fine. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was that mistake. And then for the other classes, you know, I did well in my major, loved my major, loved those classes, loved my teachers. Um, engineering was not my strong suit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, you take all of these engineering classes at these academies where you would not have to take these at any other colleges. And those, I, I just, I'm not an engineer. My brain doesn't think like it. I never wanted to be one. And it was just like, those are hard. Those ones, those yeah. ones were hard for me. The, the engineering classes, those were, I definitely got C's in there. And then I got C's in Japanese too, because back to the whole thing where I can't quit something. Once I start, I got mm-hmm. a minor in Japanese and I hated it. Oh my gosh, I should have quit that after freshman year. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I did it, but I kept through it for four freaking years. And uh, I don't speak a word of Japanese. Like I was like bitter all the way through it, miserable. uh, And that definitely brought my GPA down. Mm. Uh, Well, I'm curious, what what was the plan as you were approaching graduation? At what point did you gain clarity about what you wanted to do? And then what did you end up doing? So I, my, I guess starting my junior year, the very beginning of my junior year, I wanted to be OSI, Office of Special Investigation. So kind of like, you know, a a federal agent, if you will, for those that are not military understanding, that's what they are in the Air Force. I, that was what I wanted to do. And I knew that I would be good at that. And my, actually my really good friend, she, she was a year before me and she got an OSI slot. 
Um, and she and I are just so incredibly similar. And I was like, yeah, I absolutely, this is what I want to do. So her class in 2010, they got six or seven slots for OSI. 2012, the year after me, got like seven or eight slots for OSI. Mm. 2011, my class got one slot. Oh my goodness. And I was the second alternate. Yeah. So any other year group, I would be an OSI agent. But my Mm. class, for some reason, only got one spot. Wow. Yeah. And then to be a second alternate, to be that close is just, yeah, Uh, it's hard. It's a hard pill. So my, the backup to that was, I was kind of between intelligence and public affairs. And I put Intel first in hindsight, I probably should have put public affairs. I think that probably would have been more of my personality, I suppose, Mm. but I ended up as an intelligence officer. And so that is what I have done for the last nine years. So now I'm curious, what, what about OSI intelligence? Like what about those fields attracted you? Cause again, like, you know, psychology, medicine, that had been your, your background and your desire for so long. What about those fields attracted you? So the psychology aspect as well. I mean, especially with OSI, you know, there's a lot of level of, um, psychology in that, you know, people and behavior and Mm -hmm. actions. Um, And so that really plays into that considerably, I believe. And uh, Intel was just the next closest thing you could get to OSI, or so I thought. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So well, so now tell me, so you graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like you were still dating someone or no? I was. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was he in your class? Was that a factor in what you were going to no. do or not really? Okay. No, he was in, he was the year he graduated the year before me. He was in pilot training. Gotcha. Okay. So you graduate. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me about that first place. Tell, just tell me how your career unfolds. Cause uh, you're still technically active. I know you said you're transitioning. Um, tell me how your, tell me how your experience has been active duty. Yeah. So that first year you go to Intel school and Intel school is your, it's basically an entire year, your kind of first assignment. And what's interesting, I guess, I think is an interesting part of my, my Intel school experience is there were some girls there that did not like me from the academy. Sounds like I'm a repeat story here. Mm. And, uh, but they were like kind of the popular girls and the rest of the people were friends with them and knew them. And so I took one to lunch and I was like, Hey, I, I know for some reason you don't like me. And I, I don't know why I don't know what happened, but we're going to be here for the next year with all of these people. Like we need to figure this out because like, I want to have friends here and I want, we're going to be in the same group. And it was literally like verbatim the same story of, I don't know why I didn't like you. I don't really have a reason, you know, thank you for like bringing this up so that we can kind of clear this air. And then we move forward. Like, hundred percent. Like that is what happened. It is. I love how you just go right at it though. I love that. You just, you just dive right into it. Well, because I, I had that experience at the Academy and I know I knew now that I was outside, like I had to work to make female friends. Like, and I needed to not rely just on having my, my guy friends, because as a female, you can't grow up and only have male friends. That's not the real world. And I, you know, I don't have problems with girls. 
So I, I just, I didn't want to have this unnecessary drama. Like I don't like drama. And so I talked to her and, you know, the same thing. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know why, you know, blah, 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 which probably comes down to like what you said before, a little bit of just, I don't know, I don't want to say jealousy and intimidation because I don't feel like I was that to this person, but for whatever reason, you know, and so we moved past it and we became friends and I became good friends with her friends. And, and I used to call it dating, like dating girls in the sense of like, I would invite girls from my class to come over for dinner because I wanted them to get to know me and not just judge me based on what they thought they knew. Mm. And like, I felt like one by one, I was like making them all my friends. Um, Mm. so like, that's what I would call my parents. I'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm just having another girl date, like going to make these girls my friends, whether they know it or not. And, uh, like it worked, like, you know, I was at one of those girls wedding last year and she came out, you know, for, my baby shower and stuff like that. So I, I, I just tried to, once I left the Academy, I tried to really, really focus on female relationships because I think that they are so important. And I think that they are, I, I don't abused in the military. I don't, you know, I think there's a sense of aggression and this, you know, there's, there's not the, the sense of community that I felt with my guy friends. I didn't feel existed with females. And so that was always my, that was always my thing to focus on. And it it has for the last, you know, 10 years is like focusing on, uh, as much as I can, not, you know, giving, not, not treating the women underneath me any differently than the guys per se, but really trying to focus on developing those, those relationships, whether those are friendships or professional relationships or anything. And so, you know, Intel school was great for me. Uh, we all had a great group of friends and it was like, it was like college plus. It was just, it was so much fun. I'm curious, um, because having that perspective that female relationships are super important. I mean, I can just tell you from my own personal experience, as well as experience working with a lot of women that have gone to federal service academies it is very easy to fall into that mode of like, um, I don't need females, you know, like I don't need females. And then to your point, when you get older, you start to realize like, where are my girls at? Like I need my girls, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, It's very easy to just want to fall into that, like kind of making yourself a little bit, you know, um, androgynous and just hiding out with guy friends and just being one of the guys. And uh, not really embracing that side. And, and, you know, that ties in with all the competitiveness, all the, all the, whatever it may be, you know, that, yeah. that cattiness. Yeah. So, so that's huge perspective for you to have that um, coming right out of the Academy. And I am curious though, now that you've been in the military, uh, you're a leader obviously, and you have other women beneath you. Do you make it a point to try to nurture those relationships amongst the women that you, that you lead? I would like to think that I do. Um, at my last base in Ramstein, um, before here, I mean, I'm at Barksdale in, in Louisiana right now, but a year ago I was at Ramstein in Germany for three years and we had a big group of female CGOs and, uh, every now and then, like we would all go out to dinner together. And I thought that was just just really incredible. And my, I've had 
the privilege of actually having a significant amount of people beneath me um, that I've been able to kind of work with, which in the Air Force, you might not always get that opportunity. It's not like the Army where you straight up graduate and you're just like leading people, like tons of people. Um, and so I've had, I've, had a, I've had several female airmen and a couple female officers as well that I've been able to work with and lead. And I, I feel I've gotten feedback from, from them on my leadership style and what I've done for them. And that has probably been those relationships and that feedback has probably been the most rewarding part of my career. I had an airman when I was at, when I was at Ransom who she, after I left, you know, sent me a message and said that she felt that I got her, that I helped her unconditionally through her hardest time that like, you know, I ignored the bad and, and guided her through her, mm-hmm. her time. And like, that is probably the most meaningful thing that someone can say to me. And then uh, more recently I had a Lieutenant and she just was like, the minute I came in here, like, I just felt like you were my like mama bear. She's like, I just mm-hmm. felt like, you know, you have had my back. And for me, like those things are like the, like that is, that is like what I want, you know, like beyond like my job, like the most important thing about my, the last 10 years for me has just been the people, like the people are why I stayed at the Academy and the people are why I, I stayed in the air force. And it, it, for me, it all really goes back to that female Lieutenant Colonel that I had my freshman year at the Academy. You know, I just always think about how I felt beneath her. And mm-hmm. how, like, that is how I try to approach things. And, and you know, when it, with, with the relationships at the academy where girls were, you know, not seeing me for who I am and me having to, again, break through that and address it, you know, those are just things that I, I have, I keep with me because I, I want the people that I work with and that I work, you know, for and that work for me to, to feel like someone is there for them and like understands them and is there to kind of help them. Like that is just, that's what I care about. Yeah. I really do give you a lot of credit to really sticking with it and really staying true to like who you are. I I'm just having this picture that, you know, you said you had a lot of clothing in your, you know, in your room at the Academy. Um, It sounds like you continue to wear makeup. It sounds like you put out a feminine energy in a very male dominated world. And as you know, I don't need to tell you this, that in itself can be threatening to women for sure, because they don't, I mean, I can tell you, I had no idea. I would have had no idea how to take that. I don't think I would have been threatened that because I would have just isolated myself. But, um, but even that, then you would have felt like I was isolating you, right? Like yeah. <laughs> it would have had nothing to do with you. Um, it just would have been intimidating to me seeing your confidence and seeing that you could wear makeup and still be in the military. And that would have been so intimidating to me. So just as a little insight to you, like it would have had nothing to do with you. Yeah. I've had people, you know, after the fact, when I've pushed through other relationships come and, and kind of say that, um, yeah. you know, and, and I try and, I try and think about that when I'm interacting with people, but it's not always easy to, no. to, to keep in mind that because, but that is, that is my, most of my life I've kind of gotten that sense of like, people come off like that at first to me. And then again, they get to know me and they're like, all right, like what I thought is not really what, what she is. Yeah, no, it's not right. I, I just love that you've, that you've refused to change who you are. And, um, 
but you've also <laughs> gone even even a step further, which is like, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this. And I'm going to like, I'm going to show you that I'm a good person. I'm going you know, to take you out to dinner. I'm going to make you, I love that. <laughs> Talk about, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, okay. All right. But here we are today. Um, yeah. Tell me how you feel about your decision to attend a federal service academy. People ask me this all the time. If I could do it again, would I do it again? And kind of yes and no, I guess would be where it comes down to. Like I loved my time at the academy. I, I love the friendships that I have, the relationships that I have, that that experience that you know so many people don't understand and, and can't relate to, but it's such a part of my life. But I I, I don't know if it, I would force myself to do it differently and go to med school after the academy or if, if I wish I just had, you know, not gone into the military and just gone straight to med school. And that's kind of where that question is really difficult for me because I, I don't, you know, I love the academy. I don't know that I have always loved the military. Mm. It also sounds like, it just sounds like there's this whole other side to you that, um, well, you tell me, um, do you feel like there's a side of you that's been a little suppressed, like between just this whole feminine expression piece, but also just like your desires, like in the things you want to do and the way you want to show up? Um, I could see that you've lived out of one side of, you know, your personality for this whole time. And I could see that maybe you'd want to start going a little bit back the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I've tried to find different outlets for kind of creativity, if you will. Um, I do have a, a blog and that blog started out as a fashion blog and it became a travel blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been one form I used to do when I was in Vegas, I'd work with photographers and do styled shoots and I would like style photo shoots for them. So, you know, like build this entire scene, if you will, for them to shoot for different couples. And, um, I'm super into baking and I sew and I do all sorts of kind of really super creative things. And the whole time that I've been out of the Academy, I've been working on getting all of my prereqs from medical school. So like, even though I was like, this is not the path I'm going on. I still constantly kind of been Mm. been like, but I'm going to be ready for this path. But, and so that's, that's kind of where I, where I am now. I'm, I'm finishing the prereqs that I need. I'm getting ready to apply for either medical school or PA school. Um, I'm trying to work on the blog more. Um, and so I guess that's kind of where it has come down to is I haven't in my career, I have not felt fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's super hard to say because I know like other military people are going to hear that. And I'm putting this out there because I am going to be in the reserves, but I have not felt fulfilled in in my career and in the jobs that I have had. Um, Like I said, the reason why I think I've stayed as long as I have is is for the people and for the airmen, because I don't want them to have, you know, a a leader like I have had. I I want to be there for these people, but at the same time, you know, I have to take care of me too. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, kind of came to that, um, that point where I was like, all right, you know, coming up on 10 years, that's really when people decide if they're going to bite the bullet and go in for the next 10 for retirement, or if they're going to kind of go a different, different way. And so going into the reserves, while 
um, pursuing a civilian career is kind of how I reconcile that in my mind where I'm just like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to be in the reserve. So I'm still going to be able to hopefully mentor people, impact people in a positive way. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to do something that's going to make me happy because, you know, I have a baby now, I have a daughter now, and I, I don't want to come home after work and not be happy. You know, I want her mm -hmm. to see, um, her mom is, you know, doing something that fulfills her and makes her happy and, you know, come home happy to my child. Yeah. I think that you're going to be surprised, but I think that uh, more people than you realize are not fulfilled with their time in the military and their service. I think you might be surprised. Oh, I don't think I'd be surprised. I think it's just not something people uh, say out loud. About. Yeah, exactly. I, that's why I'm like, pointing it out because I think it's awesome that you did say it because it needs to be said because, you know, it's a great foundation, you know, and you clearly have been doing other things in preparation for the next step, knowing that you want to pivot it, but it, you know, academies give a great foundation. The military gives a great foundation. Um, I think it's awesome that you're being so honest that you want to pivot. <laughs> I think it's great. You know, we need more of that. Honestly. It's, well, it's, it's, it's terrifying. And I know, I know it's people kind of, you know, you get into it and you, that's the whole sense of not wanting to quit. Like you feel that. And then there's, there's the security in the military. It's, mm -hmm. it's really, it's really freaking scary Yeah. to, to be like, all right, I've been doing something that is not a hundred percent who I am and I'm ready to kind of move on and make these changes. Like, it's just terrifying. Yeah. It can be scary, but you're going to be fine and you know it. So I love it. Thank you. And you've been doing all the work this whole time. So you've been putting the pieces in place. Um, so uh, I'm definitely excited to hear what you decide to do next. I have no doubt you're going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> you've got your little daughter uh, that you're, you know, that you're going to be an amazing role model too. Uh, so that's, <sighs> that's awesome. But before we go, Callie, uh, yeah. do, you, do you have any parting words for listeners, perhaps a key message to your fellow Service Academy sisters? I think, I guess, if anything, was kind of almost a summary of the direction our conversation has, has really taken this last hour is um, be kind to each other. I think that, you know, a lot of times it's, it's hard for women to, in the military to, to always connect and see you know, that that other woman is just, just trying to do her best and just trying to be who she is. And I think that just kind of embracing each other, which I, you know, this podcast is amazing. Like I wish when I was coming into a service academy, I could have listened to these stories and understood like these experiences. I think what you're doing is great for, you know, women that have been to the academies, but what it's really great for is, is women and girls that are thinking about it because they're really going to understand, you know, a different kind of a perspective and mentality that we just didn't have, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what we were going to be experiencing and they can listen to these and be like, all right, like I, I already kind of know what I want to do to connect with these girls and how I need to, you know, get the support that I need and things like that. So um, I think that that would just, that's, I guess that's would be my wrap up to this. Yeah. I love that. I really do hope that it gives um, 
gives people a perspective to look at themselves, you know, like, just like you were saying, if, if, if you're feeling threatened by another female or you're feeling like you just don't like them for whatever reason, you know, the environments at an academy, it, it first of all, you're just naturally competitive and you're naturally already a minority as a woman. So, you know, I love your message throughout this whole thing about like how you really need your women. You really need your, your people. So if you're feeling some resistance to that, like you need to dive deep into yourself and figure out what that is, you know, <laughs> as opposed to projecting it towards all the women, you know? Yeah. So I love your message. I think that's awesome. 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 Um, and finally, what is one random fun fact about you? I guess something that was strange is that I developed gluten intolerance when I was at the academy and I was gluten intolerant for 10 years. And then one day it just went away. Huh. Yeah. People say that uh, women in their late teens, early 20s in high stress situations are more likely to develop gluten intolerance and other food sensitivities. And I am fairly certain that my freshman year can be pointed to for, for 10 years of gluten intolerance. Wow. Can I just tell you something? You're going to think this is so strange and I won't harp on this, but like when I was in a super stressful situation at the Academy and I was at C, I mm-hmm. became lactose intolerant. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So I get it girl. And it only lasted for a short period of time for me. Um, but it totally How did crazy. happen. How yeah. Crazy. So I hear you on that whole, like stress is killer. You, you know, you, you never know. It affects yeah. us all. Yeah. Crazy. That's a very, um, I think, actually helpful random fun fact. (laughs) 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 But, you know, um, let's end with you telling people where they can find you. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram as love, laugh, explore. Uh, So just love underscore laugh underscore explore. Um, My blog is lovelaughexplore.com. And I'm also on Facebook as well, you know, love, laugh, explore. (laughs) So that's where I can be found. And I do want to let listeners know that this is not a little blog. Like you have a little bit of a following, you know, you got some people reading your stuff. So yeah, go check it out. Right. I mean, come on. Thank you. Callie, like, you know, (laughs) it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's not my full-time thing, but it's, it's a passion project, if you will. Yeah. And there's some cute pictures of your baby. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Callie, this was awesome. It was so fun to chat with you. I appreciate you sharing your story with the Service Academy sorority. Thank you for having me. It's a really awesome opportunity that you're providing here. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.